Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Saul knew what God said, but because he was afraid of what they would say about him, afraid of what they may post about him. Come on, somebody hear me. Afraid that somebody may dislike something, that he strayed off of the word. You need to get over yourself. Turn to your name, dumb. You need to get over yourself. Saul honored his reputation more than the command of God. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Wherever you are from all around the world, we just thank you for being here with us today. And uh, we thank you for clicking that button. And we know that you will be blessed by today's word. Amen. All right. Well, as you know, we're in a series entitled uh, Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. And this is part number four of that series. So if you have not heard parts three, two, or one, I just encourage you to go back and really get into that because this is what God is saying to us in this hour. All right, the series comes with a confession. So let's go ahead and do our confession. And it goes like this. Because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I am forgiven. Colossians 1.14. All my sins have been washed away. 1 John 1.7. I have peace with God. Romans 5.1. I have been made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am forever perfected and sanctified, being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14. I am not now, nor will I ever be condemned by God. Romans 8, 1. I am loved and accepted in the presence of God. John 3, 16, Ephesians 1, 6. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. 1 John 4, 17. Hallelujah. Now again, what the Father is telling us is focus on Christ. People are wondering, what do I do in this hour? Where do I go? What's happening? God says, focus on Christ. Keep your focus on him. What is he doing? What is he saying? Don't be distracted. Listen for his voice and do what he says. Amen. Hallelujah. To that end, the Lord also takes us to uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, 1 Samuel 15, very familiar text of scripture, but the Lord is uh, revealing uh, Christ in the scripture. So I need you to really go with me and we're going to today speak from the subject of get over yourself. Amen. Get over yourself. Hallelujah. And I pray that we're really able to really just get into that. All right. So let's go. Uh, 1 Samuel 15 verses 1 through Three, one, two, and three. Out of the New Living Translation, we'll go there today and a little bit of King James, but New Living right now. And so it says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, 
women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now, the Bible says that God is sending Saul to destroy the Amalekites. And the Bible says that there, and it goes on down, you'll see further on down, that the Bible calls them, the Bible says that, uh, that Saul was to go and destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Go and basically wipe out the sin. Now, let me tell you this from the get-go, from the very start. The name Saul means desire. Desire. And so God is sending Saul uh, to wipe out the sinners or wipe out the sin that's in the land. God's desire is going to wipe out the sin that is in the land. Well, if you know, that already should give you a representation of Christ because Christ is the desire of nations. He's a great Messiah, the Savior of the world. And God sent the desire of heaven into the world to destroy sin. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we see Christ already being revealed here. Now, the Bible says, again, that God sent Saul to destroy the Amalekites to deal with them. And the word Amalekite, or rather the word Amalek, the word Amalek means uh, dweller in the valley, dweller in the valley. Now, if you know about a valley, valley is a lower place, right? Sin dwells in the low nature of man. Good God Almighty. Sin dwells in the low nature of man. So Saul, the desire had to come from a higher place to a lower place to deal with sin. Good. I'm doing that. Amen. Are you hearing? This talks about Christ. Remember, the Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. So this is what Jesus would do. This is what Jesus would do. He would come from a higher place. The desire of heaven would go into the valley to deal with our sin. Now, it was the Amalekites, and we're going to see this. It was Amalek and the Amalekites that were a horrible people. But we're going to go back and we're going to see that. I don't want to get too far ahead. Now. Let me ask you this question. Since our God is good, God is good. Would you agree that God is good? Amen. And that Father is just? He's not unjust. So why would him that is good, why would goodness say destroy the babies, destroy the children, destroy the men and the women and the cattle, wipe it all out? At first glance, you would say, well, hey, that doesn't sound right. Why would God say wipe out an entire nation of people? Well, understand something. The Amalekites were a fierce race of nomads who inhabited the desert, um, the desert of the south of Judea uh, towards Egypt. They were an untamable race of savages. You'll see this, an untamable race of savages who delighted in um, who delighted in robbery and plunder. Now, plunder, if you hear about, if you understand plunder, when, especially when savages back in this day, when they plundered villages, and they not only killed people, they raped the women and they, uh, they did all kind of horrible things to the people there, burned houses and they destroyed everything. So this was a whole nation of robbers and plunderers. That God said, we got to deal with this. 
We got to deal with this. Now, there's a reason why God also said that you're going to have to wipe out the entire nation of them. Because Amalek, uh, the Amalekites, uh, attacked, uh, attacked Israel when they first came out of Egypt. So the children of God came out of Egypt, you know, hey, oh, we're out of Egypt. Pharaoh's been washed away in the Red Sea. Can I get a hey? Can I get a ho? Can I get a hey? Online community, I hope that you're doing this with me. Hey, ho, they're excited. They're out. Hallelujah. Out from the grips of the enemy. Glory to God. And so they're out. And God brings them to Rephidim. She brings them to Rephidim. And it's there at Rephidim that God really tested the people, of, uh, tested uh, Israel. And it is there that Amalek uh, came in and ambushed Israel. We're going to see this. Let's look at it. Uh, let's look at uh, Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Now, Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16, this gives you the account of how Amalek or the Amalekites attacked Israel. And this will tell you some reason why God said, wipe them all out, including the babies, including the children, wipe them all out. We're going to see this here. So Exodus 17, 8 through 16, it says, while the people of Israel were, um, were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Now, Rephidim means a resting place. It means rest or stays or resting place. So children of Israel were coming out of that, out of the, out of the world to a place of rest. All right. Now, and it says that Amalek came and attacked them. The warriors of, of, of Amalek came and attacked them. Now the question would be, why did Amalek attack the children of God? Because after all, when they came out of Egypt, the glory cloud was above the camp during the day. And at night there was fire. The presence of God was with them big time. So why was Amalek or how was he able to uh, attack what God himself was hovering over? Now, that needs to be a question for you today, too. Because we're expecting God to protect us and keep us safe, especially during these, uh, especially during these dangerous times. When you go in and out of stores, when you go to pump gas or, or when you're driving down the road, you expect the glory of God to cover you and to always keep you safe and protected. Well, here is God and the children of God. Here is the people of God, the Old Testament church that were in the wilderness, in the wilderness. And there was God, the very presence of God above them. They can look up and see a representation of the father. There was the father, the glory of God during the day, uh, keeping the keeping the harsh uh, sun off of them as they were in the desert. And at night they could see this pillar of fire above them, keeping them warm. They could see God with them. But yet and still Amalek came in. But we need to see why was this so? Because the, the answer to that question, we need to really know what that answer is and make sure that we don't fall into that same trap. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's look at uh, let's go a little bit higher. Let's go to Exodus uh, 17, verse number three, and we will see why this took place. So as they were there, um, Israel got there to Rephidim and there was no water to drink. And it goes further. Now, say, let's look at verse number three. It says, but tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? 
Uh, are you trying to kill us, our children, and our life and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses told, then, then God told Moses, hey, Moses, the people are thirsty and they are coming against you and coming against me. But go over to a rock, Moses, and strike, take your staff and strike the rock. And the water and the water is going to come out of the rock and it's going to refresh the people. Let's go down to verse number seven. Moses said here in verse number seven, uh, this is again, Exodus 17, verse seven. Moses named uh, the place Massa, which means test. And Mirabah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? So, in effect, the people of Israel attacked God with their mouth. The Lord used uh, thirst to show Israel what was in them. The Lord will use lack to show you what is in you. He'll show you. He'll let you see you, especially when you go without. Will you hang with him or are you going to go to someone else or something else? He'll show you you in times of lack. He didn't mean for them to stay there. He had a plan to give them more than enough. But he allowed them to get thirsty so that they could see their true nature. The father already knew it. Now they know it as well. When they got thirsty, when they were tormented with thirst, they insulted God, cried out against God. They attacked God with their mouths. Is you, are you with us? Not God. Why you bring us out here? And Moses, why you do this to us? They bang, 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 bang. As a result of doing that, they opened the door for the devil to come in. As they struck God, a door opened and Amalek came in. Are oh, you hearing me? You hearing? Let's look back now. Let's go back to the case of, of Exodus 17, verse number eight. It says again, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim in the resting place, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. That is, after they attacked God, they got attacked. After they attacked Moses, they got attacked. Verse nine says, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. He said, choose some men. He didn't say, go get the army, Joshua. He said, choose some men. We're not ready for this. <laughs> choose some men. Get some people together, Joshua. Get some people together to go out and fight for us. He said, choose some men to go out to and, and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Uh, verse number 10. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought with fought uh, the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Ur climbed to the top of a uh, of, of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the, Amal the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Ur found a stone for him to sit on. Then, he, then they stood on each side of Moses, lifting up his hands. So his hands held steady until sundown. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Let's clap right there. Hallelujah. Let's clap right there. Hallelujah. It goes on. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, 
Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder. Listen to this as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. Listen, he says, I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Write it down, Moses. This is the plan of God. I will erase them from the earth. Verse 15, Moses built an altar there and named it Jehovah Nisi, or we say Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. You got that? They raised their fist and said, we defy God. That's what they were doing. And God said, oh, really? I'm going to wipe all of you out. All right. So we go back to the question of before. Again, why? Why did God say kill the men, women, the children, the babies, the cattle, the sheep, all of it? Because they all were in defiance to God. And that is exactly what sin is. It is defiance to God. It raises up its fist. It says, yeah, I know what the word says, but I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. God said, I will wipe them out from the earth. Now, understand something. All of this happened. Remember, this whole thing started with when children of Israel came out of Egypt. Right now, time had passed. Moses the children of Israel took 40 years to cross over to the promised land. Moses died. Joshua is now in charge. Joshua died. The children of Israel now settled in the land. And now Saul is the first king. So we're talking about at least 80 to 150 years in the future now. When God tells Saul, go and deal with this. It's time for you to deal with this now. So God gave in his infinite mercy, still gave them time to repent. But they didn't get better. They got worse. King Agag, the Bible says in verse number 33, his sword spilled the blood of many, made many um, mothers uh, sonless or childless. He killed many people. The king himself was a deadly, uh, was a deadly killer. And so God said, it's time to settle accounts. Years later, they still hadn't changed. And he sent Saul in to handle this. Now let's go back to uh, to 1 Samuel 15. Are you guys still with me today? Amen. Let's go back and uh, let's read again. No, let's go down to verse number seven now. Verse seven, First Samuel and chapter 15, verse seven. Let's look at this. So, of course, Saul goes out to do what the Lord said. Verse seven says, then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Hivia all, all the way to Shur, uh, uh, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and, and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats and cattle and uh, cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. God said, go and destroy everything. And why did he say go destroy the children? Because the children grew up and did the same thing their parents did. 
generation had passed, at least two generations had passed, and the children are growing up even more violent than their fathers. God said, wipe them all out. Get rid of all the sin. Saul decided, I'm not going to do that. Let's look and see how God reacted here in verse number 10. First uh, Samuel 15, verse 10, it says, Then the Lord said to, to Samuel, now Samuel, of course, is the prophet here. He said, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. He was hurt because the father was hurt of what Saul had done. Samuel goes and eventually has to confront Saul. Stay with me. Y'all stay with me. Stay with me. Samuel has to confront Saul and give him the news. Tell him what God said. Look at verse 18. And uh, Samuel says to Saul here, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners. Go and deal with the sin, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the in the in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the, the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought uh, then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So first thing that Saul does, he plays the blame game. They brought the sheep back. They did it. It wasn't me. I got Agag. Yeah, but you should have killed him, too. God said every all of it needs to be destroyed. Every last bit of it. But listen, where Saul failed, Jesus succeeded. Because when God sent Jesus the desire of the world, the savior of the world to destroy sin, the Bible says, and even in Romans 8 chapter, that God condemned sin in the flesh. He destroyed the power of sin over our lives. When you give your life to Christ, he destroys the power of sin completely. He completely and utterly destroys it. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, he not only dealt with your sin, he dealt with your record of sin. And now before the father, you are justified in the sight of God, not based on what you've done, but based on what Jesus has done for you. He condemned sin in the flesh. He took the handwriting that was against you, the ordinance of God that was against you, your record of sin, and he nailed it upon the cross, taking it completely away from you. Where Saul failed, Jesus succeeded. Hallelujah. He dealt with it. Glory to God. Let's look now at uh, verse, uh, again, 1 Samuel 15, 22, as we come to a close. But Saul, rather, but Samuel replied, uh, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion. That's what's happening here. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Now, 
We said before that we're speaking from the subject of get over yourself. And this is why we said all of that to get you right here. Saul, why didn't you keep your eyes focused on the Lord? Why did you turn left? Why did you turn right? When Saul was given the opportunity to just to destroy it, he took the plunder. When Jesus was given the opportunity as the desire, God sent him down to destroy the sin. Remember, the devil offered him the same opportunity. He said, all these things will I give you if you just fall down and worship me. All this plunder I will give you, Jesus, if you just worship me. In the book of Luke, I believe the fourth chapter. All of this I'll give to you. But Jesus said, no, uh, you're not going to tempt me with that. Jesus resisted and he said, no. And he said, no, and completely destroyed the sin. Glory to God. Where Saul failed, Jesus succeeded. Glory to God. So, but why did Saul, why did Saul turn from the word of God and fall upon the plunder? Well, verse 24 tells you, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for why, why, for what? I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I didn't hear from God. I didn't do what God said because I was afraid of the people. Afraid of who? Who are the people? The army. The, what army? The army? The enemy's army? No. The army I took with me in battle. What? I was afraid of my own men. What? They were intimidating to me. What? What? He wasn't, Saul wasn't so afraid that they were going to pick up swords and kill him as he was so afraid of what they would say about him. Because Saul's big thing was, what are you going to say about me? Remember when David became king, they, they, they said, the women said, Saul has killed his uh, thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands, I believe. He was really big on himself and how people would see him and what they were going to say about him. And this is what caused him to veer off of the word. What are you going to do? I'll let you have your way, men. You want to do this? I know what God said. We need to kill it all. But because you're coming to me, and I'm sure they may have been saying, oh, come on, Saul. You mean, you know, God wants to destroy this, does he? No, come on, man. You know what? Come on, man. Let, let us just have a little piece of this. Let us have a little piece of that. Come on, man. This ain't nothing wrong with this. Let's have this. Saul knew what God said, but because he was afraid of what they would say, about him, afraid of what they may post about him. Come on, somebody hear me. Afraid that somebody may dislike something, that he strayed off of the word. You need to get over yourself. Turn to your name and tell him you need to get over yourself. Saul honored his reputation more than the command of God. He thought extremely highly of himself. How do I know that? Let's look again at, at uh, 1 Samuel 15, 12. This gives you a very indication, a very good indication of how Saul thought of himself. Listen to this. After the battle, Saul came back and says here in verse 15, early the next morning, Saul went to find Saul, rather, yes, Samuel, I'm sorry. Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. That's how much he set up a statue to himself of how good I am. Look at what I did. God sent me down here to destroy these people. Hey, I did it. 
and I'm going to build a statue to me. He was so concerned about how people saw him, so concerned about their opinions of him, so concerned that they would see him in the right light that he resisted the word of God and followed after his own flesh. Are you hearing that? I know it's I know you're right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Are you hearing me? Amen. We're almost done. I, I, I pray you stay with me. OK, because why would you leave the word of God? Why would you leave the counsel of God in an hour like this? And the reason is, is that many of us will leave the counsel of God, leave the word of God because we're afraid of what other people may say or do. God said, here's your word from heaven. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Listen to what Proverbs says here. Proverbs 29. We're going to look at it at the King James and the Message Bible. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this. It says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You're going to be trapped if you fear man, fear man's thoughts about you. It's a trap. Listen to this same word out of the Message Bible. It says, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Saul was so consumed about what people would say about him. So consumed about what people would say about him that he veered off to do something else. Listen, child of God, this is something that we're going to have to be delivered from. Because this world is set, is set on being liked. How many likes did I get on my video? How many likes did I get here? How many people like my posts? How many people? And if, no, if you post something you think is really great and nobody says anything about it, it destroys us. Nobody liked my post. Nobody. And then because nobody liked it or because somebody said something bad about it, we immediately take that to heart. Oh, they don't like me. They don't like what I said. They don't like what I wrote. Then that must mean that they don't like me, that they disapprove of me. We're so afraid of the disapproval of man that it could cause us to leave the word of God. God says, Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Now, Saul had God's approval, but isn't that enough? Saul had God's approval, but isn't that enough? Listen to this. Let's go to again. First uh, Samuel 15, 17. And this is what Samuel said about Saul. Samuel said here and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? And of the tribes of Israel, the Lord has anointed you king of Israel. God thought so well of you that he made you king. God thought so well of you that he gave you these visions and these ideas and these dreams. The father has confidence in you. He believes in you and he approves of you. But for some reason, that's not enough. We've got to get over ourselves. And as we close here, this same, this same demon, should we say, is still present. It's present also in the New Testament. Listen to this, because there were a group of people that were in the synagogue, the Jews, many of the Jews that believed in Jesus. 
but they would not confess him as Lord. Why? Let's look at it. Let's look at John 12, verse 42 and 43. The Lord says here, it says here in the word, it says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Least they should be put out of the synagogue. I, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to tell you I do because I may lose my job. I may lose my reputation. I may lose this account. I may lose this contract. So I cannot associate with Jesus. I believe you. Yeah, but Lord, let's keep that on the down low over there. Why? Why did they do that? Look at verse 43. For they loved the praises, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love hearing this from man. But don't you know God will applaud you as well? God will celebrate you as well? We love celebration from men and we dishonor the Father in the same breath. So that's what we want to get today. And that's the word that I have to tell you. That's why we came today for you to hear this. That's why you press play so that you would hear this. That's, that's the word from heaven. God says in this hour, in order for you to reap the harvest that is coming, in order for you to be used by God in unusual ways, in order for the power of God to be revealed out of your life in unusual ways, in order for the supernatural of God to flow out of you, you're going to have to get over yourself. Because one of the tricks and tactics of the enemy, he will launch people to say nasty things, mean and nasty things about you, about what you post, about what you wrote, about what you've done. Now, what you've done is what God told you to say. You're in alignment with God and the father has approved of you. But the enemy knows how to press your buttons to get you to shut up. And if you have not been delivered, then you'll go to the left as well. Then you do this as well. So the word from heaven is. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Realize, yes, you are extremely important. But understand. Where the applause should come from, expect to get it from heaven. Because if we're looking at the applause of man to spur us on. If we're looking to that, then we're not going to do very well. We're going to. Veer off to the left, veer off to the right. We're not going to do exactly what the father wants us to do. So I pray today, today that you've heard the word. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus name that you will deliver us. We are really a narcissistic society. Everything is about us and about pleasing us. Everything is about us being liked. The whole society is built on being liked. Social media is, is built on being liked. And Lord, our, our, we have really been conformed to the world. So Father, I pray today that you would deliver us from this world system. That you would turn the tables. That we would honor you. That we would honor your like, your approval more than that of the world. Because if we do not get over ourselves, we'll turn and go the wrong way as well. So, Father, we repent of allowing public opinion, what people say about us. We, we repent 
of allowing that to change us. We're sorry. We repent. We turn from that. We confess it. It happened. We did it. But now, Father, we turn from that and we turn to you. And we ask you, Father, for the grace, because it's a hard thing to do. We ask you for the grace not to strive for man's approval, but the grace to receive your approval. We ask for the grace not to look to people, but to gr the grace to look for the power <laughs> to look to you. We love you today, and we thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. See you next week. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.